Well, hello there. Hello there. This is Nick the American. This is episode 37. This is not Nick the Communist. As some of my fans on social media have pointed out that I'm a communist. No, that's incorrect. This is Nick the American. Oh, and as some of you pointed out, are you sure you're American? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No further conspiracy here with Nick the American. Let's go. Episode 37. Holy shit. We got we got a little hot mess on our hands on the southern border there on in, in the state of Texas, the great state of Texas. Man, can we calm down? Can we tone down our rhetoric a little bit? I hear Machine Gun Taylor Green again talking about national divorce. Greg Abbott, Christy Nome, their language is a little... It's a little scary. We've got a trucker convoy coming down from Virginia Beach that's going to block the southern border because we're at such a crisis point. Okay? And I, apparently this trucker convoy isn't this trucker convoy from God is not nearly as big as it once was reported. But I thought under the previous administration we built a wall Roger Stone's beautiful wall. Trump's beautiful wall. How is this wall working out if we're under complete crisis? And we're going to bring some vigilante truckers down to the state of Texas to block the border? What the fuck happened to the wall? I'm curious. Is is the wall failed policy? Is that official? Or has it just not been completed enough over by the Rio Grande? What's the deal with the wall? So, boy, I, I just wish we would we would be a little bit nicer with each other and 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 talk this through because there is so much crisis going on in the world. It would be nice not to have so much crisis here at home, especially with the southern border. Okay, so Biden is telling Republicans, telling Democrats, hey, there's a piece of bipartisan legislation coming forth that you guys asked for, and it will give me the power as president to immediately shut down the border. He's like, if if this piece of legislation gets to my desk, I will shut the border down immediately. Immediately. And if, if we've got a crisis on our hands, let's shut the border down. Hey, Republicans, good on you. You got Biden to change, you know, I don't know if it's changing his tune, but it seems to be a reversal of his uh, of his initial border stance, which was it was going to be peaceful and humane and we're going to get things done the right way. Well, it sounds like it's too fucking chaotic down there. We need some immediate action. I'm reading James Lankford. He's a Republican in the United States Senate for Oklahoma. The state of Oklahoma. He's the chief GOP negotiator on this bipartisan deal. And he's got his hands up in the air saying, what the hell, Republicans? He's telling his own party, wait a second. We needed legislation. We needed bipartisan legislation. We needed to get something done on the on the southern border. We can have it shut down immediately. The executive order, if we can get this bill signed. No, no one's seen the bill yet is standing in front of this bill. It's Donnie Trump. It's Eris Targaryen. It's the king. It's me. Blame it on me, folks. The border is his number one campaign 
talking point. It's going to be what he campaigns on. He obviously does not want border legislation signed if he's not the president. It will hurt his campaign. And so all of these Republicans that are clamoring, this emergency that has to be taken care of in the southern border, we're about to see bipartisan legislation, and it's probably going to get shot down because Donald Trump has stood up and basically threatened other Republicans. If you, if you, if you go along with this, what do you think King's going to do? He's going to fuck you. He's going to fuck you. So they all know this, and it just, it, it, it just, I'm shaking my head here. I'm, I'm shaking my head here. Did the border wall work? Obviously, no, it didn't. Okay, now we can, boy, Republicans, we can shut the border down with a bipartisan piece of legislation. No, we can't because Trump says no. He's not the president. He's a year, a full year away from becoming the president. So this national catastrophe we have in the southern border, it can wait. It doesn't need to be handled right now. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Machine Gun Taylor, she wants to impeach Biden because he's not protecting the southern border. He's telling you he can shut the border down with an executive order instantly, and he'll do it when the legislation hits his desk. You're going to impeach him over what? It, it, it's 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 just it's just crazy. Can we please tone down the rhetoric? Can we please tone down the rhetoric? And I want to be very clear here. I am for an not an open border. You know what? I want our border shut. I I I I, I want it. I want it secure and safe. But I never want immigration to stop in this country. Immigration cannot stop in this country. And I was listening to a California rep. Katie Porter from the 47th district in California. Very sharp lady, very sharp lady. And she's actually running for Senate and on the Democratic ticket. It was, she's running for Senate and Adam Schiff, her and her, Adam Schiff, uh, excuse me, a Democrat in the House are neck and neck uh, to win that primary. That will be interesting on the Republican side at Steve Garvey. But I digress. Who gives a shit about the race right now? Katie Porter I want you to take a listen to Katie Porter talking about immigration, green card status, and the line to get into America. Go ahead, Katie. People who apply, who use the system, and they follow the rules, which I think Americans think we should, they apply for a green card. What percentage of them get it? That's 3%, so 97% do not get one. 3%. We shouldn't be blaming people seeking a better life. We ought to be willing to look in the mirror in this body, in the Capitol, and take responsibility for our failure to update the immigration system and to create an orderly way to boost our economy. It's a really important point for the American people to understand and really important for Democrats to stake out here what is our position on immigration. And it is that immigration is a huge benefit to our economy from which we all benefit. Okay, now... Is this 100% true? You file for the 3% of people, 3% get green cards. Katie Porter's telling you, everybody do it lawfully, get in line. And she's saying basically that there's no line. 
And we will get into this a little bit later at the very end of the show. I'm going to play for you a clip of Ronald Reagan giving his final speech in office as president in 1988. And what does he give it on? He gives it on immigration. He gives it on immigration. And I think it's really telling. It's really interesting to see. This was the king of the Republican Party forever. Before Trump, it was always, what would Reagan do? What would Reagan do? What would Reagan do? That's all gone with, with Trump. But we are going to listen at the end of the show to what Ronald Reagan has to say about immigration. And I think it'll make you think. It, it, it'll, it'll really go to show you what political tribalism is all about. I've got, I've got some older friends. That, oh, God, I loved Ronald Reagan. God, he was, he was the best. He was my favorite president. He was the best. And now they're still Republicans, and they'll vote for Trump. I've got to vote for Trump. I, I'll hold my nose, but I'll vote for Trump. Listen to Ronald Reagan at the end of this show. So, take, so hang with me. Hang with me. But uh, 3%, 3%. Get green cards. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because to me, immigration is our foundation. Legal immigration is our foundation. So I want safe and secure borders. I want a path to citizenship for people who apply legally. Who can argue with that? Who can argue with that? Certainly not Ronald Reagan, as as we'll, we'll, we'll come to find out. So anyways, NFL playoffs, NFL playoffs. Fucking Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are in it again. You know, it's hard. I'm a Bronco fan. I don't like the Chiefs. But I don't dislike Pat Mahomes. How the hell can you dislike Andy Reid? Trent McDuffie, University of Washington corner for the Chiefs is just balling out. You know, I'm not rooting for the Chiefs. I did not want them to win. But they keep winning, and and and, and it's impressive. And it's it's interesting here. Everyone is so annoyed by Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. One of my sons is super annoyed by it. Oh, Travis Kelsey's a dipshit, blah, blah, blah. And they're falling in love right before our eyes, right before the, the final 10 games of the NFL regular season. Maybe they'll get engaged during the Super Bowl. Maybe if they win, he can, he can ask Taylor Swift. I call it Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. To marry him. But uh, I saw Vivek Ramaswamy, our boy Vivek, he X'd out or tweeted out a conspiracy theory. And, and, and this is catching fire that uh, the Super Bowl is rigged and somehow Taylor Swift is going to be a surrogate for Joe Biden and you've just got this stupid-ass conspiracy theory that that somehow, some way to build Taylor's popularity and to help Joe Biden win the election and the game is fixed. I, I just conspiracy theories sometimes are so fucking stupid. Oh my God. Do you think so? If you're somebody out there that thinks that the, the Super Bowl is fixed, do you think Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers get a phone call from the NFL and say, Hey Kyle, sorry about it, bud. But, uh, We've got you losing 27-24. We're sending over the script now. If you've got any questions about it, let us know. But, uh, yeah, hey, second place ain't bad, buddy. Great season. Great season. Does anybody really? How, 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 how could you rig 
an NFL football game. You could buy an official. Maybe he could throw a flag or two. But how are you going to rig an NFL football game? It's just, it's just, it's just not possible. It's just not possible. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Dan Campbell. What an incredible leader of men. Not a very good game manager. Just take the points, Dan. Just take the points. It's like you're allergic to three points. Now, I did see that his kicker, Badgley, with Michael Badgley, he'd made one field goal of 40 yards or more during the season. It was a 41-yarder. And he was actually cut after the season last year. So I can see where maybe they weren't comfortable kicking 47, 48-yard field goals. But you go into the playoffs, you better have yourselves a kicker that if it's a 47-yard field goal, you line up and you kick the damn thing and you take the points. It was 24-7 at half. The Niners go down, three- or four-minute drive, make it 24-10. And then Detroit has a great drive. And instead of kicking a field goal, trying to make it 27-10, knock off eight, nine minutes of the clock and go, hey, we're up 17 just like we were at half. Nope, they go for it. And uh, the Detroit Lions wide receivers had trouble catching the football, and that's not on Dan Campbell, but that shit happens. That shit happens. On the other side of things, Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers, he's in the Super Bowl again for the second time. He's been at the championship game a bunch of times, and I just, just have to bang my head and point out, Denver Bronco fans, that is our football coach. John Elway chose Vance frickin' Joseph. Over Kyle Shanahan. Are you kidding me? Worst decision in Denver Bronco history. It keeps haunting us. It will forever haunt me. His father was the greatest coach in Bronco history. This was his job. This was Kyle Shanahan's job. He was waiting on it. And we couldn't hire him. And we get to watch every single year. The 49ers have one of the best football teams in the NFL. And yeah, we just get to watch. We just get to watch. So it's wonderful. It is so wonderful. All right. I hear my girl, Lauren Bobbert. Lauren Bobbert is back in the news. She had her first debate in the fourth congressional district. She was in the third, which I believe is on the western part of the state. She went all the way over to the eastern part of the state, which, as I'm doing some reading, is the most conservative district in Colorado. So did she think, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to lose to Adam Frisch, the Democrat who 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 lost to her by 500 and some votes, a little less than 600 votes." She moves districts over to the fourth. Oh, this is going to be really friendly territory for me. There's nobody more MAGA than me. There's nobody more right wing, and she was met with like nine different. There's like nine people running, and she had a, a rough go of things in uh, in her first public debate they were calling her a carpetbagger she she's had a rough go it sounds like with her marriage there's been some 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 police altercations with her and her husband so she said she wanted to get the boys a fresh start get them over um you know to the fourth district far away from the third district and as we brought up uh she got nailed with being a carpetbagger she got nailed with being a carpetbagger and and she finished fifth in the straw poll. So she finished close to last. Although there was nine people. People say she finished last. I see she finished fifth. 
it wasn't a good start. She got less than ten percent, and it wasn't there was there was like a few hundred people at this debate. But uh, one of the things that was funny was six of the nine raised their hand like it was a badge of honor that they'd all been arrested, that they'd been arrested, including Lauren Bobbert. She raised her hand. But uh, you know, if I was if I was in a job interview, I I wouldn't be raising my hand like a badge of honor, going, "Yeah, I've been arrested too. I've been arrested." I don't know many jobs that that, that would hire you, uh, but maybe 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 Congress is one of them. Uh, just 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 fun times there. So, anyways, Lauren's in the fourth district. I wish her well. I think you should take your cute little ass back to the third district and say, just kidding, if you want to be in Congress, because I'm not sure she's going to be long for a United States Congresswoman if she stays in the fourth district. I think there's got to be still time. Can't you get your ass back to the third? You're the, you're the two-time defending champion of the third district, Lauren. Come on. Come on. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. I watched SNL on Saturday night. On Saturday night. They had Jacob Elordi on. And I believe it was live. I believe it was live. I'm not sure I was watching the live one, but I was it, it, it was new. And Jacob Elordi is our, you know, the star from Euphoria and uh, Saltburn. I've actually got to give Saltburn a second look. Me and my wife were watching Saltburn and uh it was like the first 20 or 30 minutes of it. And she's like, oh my God, there's like scenes you've got to see. They're like so crazy. I, I don't know what they are, but we've got to watch it. And it was so damn slow. I, I, I don't even know where this movie is going. And then obviously the bathwater scene, very impressive, very impressive. But uh, so after, you know, we watched like 20 minutes of it. And then my wife literally fast forwards to this bathwater scene that we have to see. And I'm like, okay, okay. You didn't shock me. Well, maybe you did a little bit, but I, I think I was laughing. I think I, I wasn't shocked. I was just kind of laughing, but then my wife explains to me, um, a week later or so, Hey, you know, here's what Saltburn's actually really about. And I went, oh, oh, so I won't wreck it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but I think I have to give Saltburn an extra look. But back to the SNL. Jacob Elordi's on, and, and I'm not knocking Jacob Elordi. I think, you know, he was fine. Lauren Michaels, I've never seen a worse SNL in my fucking life. Everything sucked. Each skit was worse than the previous one. It was almost comical how bad SNL was. And I love SNL. Holy moly. Uh, you know, and you can watch an SNL, and my goodness, they do so many skits. There's going to be some bad skits. That's okay. I do lots of bad segments. I, I, I understand that. But this was by far and away the worst SNL you could ever watch. Do yourself a favor and just, just take 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and... Uh, uh, Take a look at uh, Jacob Bellorti hosting SNL this past Saturday night, and, and you just shake your head. What, Lauren Michaels, were you trying to make this one as bad as it could be? Skit after skit after skit, shit after shit after shit. I was shaking my head. I always enjoy SNL. Always, even when it's not that good, I still find something funny. This was not funny. This was freaking awful. Holy moly! 
Couldn't believe it. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Oh, God. And I meant to talk about this a little bit earlier, but so now we are, we are, we've got the Super Bowl upon us. And I live in Seattle, and uh, Pete Carroll just just was let go, as fired as, as head coach. And so a lot of hawk talk between a lot of my, my buddies. And so it got me thinking about Super Bowl 49. Super Bowl 49 in 2015, the Seahawks and the New England Patriots. And I don't bring this up to hurt Seattle fans because I know how hurtful that play is. Most fans cannot watch it. But when you look at that football game and that play, I don't think that there's any doubt, at least in my mind. And I'm not a Hawk homer. I don't root for the Hawks. I hate the Hawks. But that one play, that one play cost the Seahawks three Super Bowls. Three consecutive Super Bowls. Okay. They obviously beat my Denver Broncos 43-8, to just embarrassed them. It doesn't even hurt me because it was never even a football game. My God, it was just an absolute destruction. If they go on to beat New England, they would have been united and they would have gone for a three-peat and they would have played my Denver Broncos again with a shot Peyton Manning, a, a really good defense and a shot Peyton Manning instead of playing the Carolina Panthers. Denver was not going to beat Seattle to deny them a third straight Super Bowl. So it's the biggest play in Super Bowl history. Now, it's not the biggest collapse. That, that, that goes to the Atlanta Falcons blowing a 28-3 lead to the New England Patriots two years later. But you look at that football game. And how crushing that one play was. I don't think people realize, oh, yeah, it just cost them a Super Bowl. No, it cost them three. It cost it cost, it cost Pete Carroll being talked about as one of the greatest coaches of all time. It cost Russell Wilson 100% surefire Hall of Fame candidacy. It cost the Legion of Boom not being considered one of the greatest defenses. Maybe it, you are the greatest defense of all time. Maybe Cam Chancellor gets into the Hall of Fame. Richard Sherman probably gets in anyways. Maybe Earl Thomas gets in. Maybe Michael Bennett gets in. Who knows if you win three in a row, in a row. Look how many Buffalo Bills defenders are in the Super, or excuse me, in the Hall of Fame. They didn't even win it. Maybe there's not that many. Cornelius Bennett got in. There's going to be somebody else. Maybe you're talking out of turn, Nick. But the Hawks had a 10-point lead for three different possessions, and they couldn't they couldn't extend the lead. Russell Wilson, you were you were just you were a, you were a score away from winning the Super Bowl, and you couldn't do it. I've seen that shit in Denver. The Hawk defense. Blew a 10-point lead, if you want to look at it like that. I know Cliff Averill got a concussion in that game and went out, and the defense you know, seemed to be humming before that concussion, and that really hurt him. There was, God, there was also a play. Jeremy Lane, uh, a corner for Seattle, he picked off Tom Brady in the end zone. I think it's the worst beat that you could ever imagine. He picks off Tom Brady. I believe he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. 
picks off Tom Brady instead of taking a knee in the end zone. He picks him off in the end zone. The great Tommy. And he runs it out to like the 14 or 15 and gets tackled and like busts his shoulder and like tears like multiple ligaments in his knee. No free agent year for you, buddy. No free agent year for you, Jeremy Lane. So, boy, it was a, a double devastating day for you. You were going to sign a free agent contract and just make all sorts of money. You, you, you picked off Tommy in the Super Bowl. Everybody needs corners. Somebody was going to give you some big-time money. Instead, you spent an entire year rehabbing. But I just, it's Super Bowl week. Talk about different games and different plays and stuff like that. And the interception, the Malcolm Butler interception at the one, is the biggest play in, in NFL history. In NFL history. The Hawks went from one ring they went from three rings to one ring on that one play. No doubt in my mind, I'm a Denver Bronco fan. My Broncos would have gotten, would have eventually succumbed to the Seattle Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. Excuse me, Super Bowl 50. It would have been Super Bowl 50 to win the third one instead of playing at the Carolina Panthers. So crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. I'm sorry, Hawk fans. I'm sorry. I, I was I was at a Super Bowl party. I remember when that play happened, and I I was rooting for the Patriots, and it was so devastating. I was you know I wasn't happy. I wasn't you know I, I put my head in my hands and I just shut my mouth because so many people were hurting. I, I've never lost a game like that. I've never lost a game like that to lose a Super Bowl. But when you look back, it cost you two rings, total of three. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. There you go, Seahawks fans. I'm the, uh, yeah, I'm the positive light in your life, baby. Woo! All right. I had a, a quick business trip this last week. I had to go close a deal. And for those of you in sales... There's something called a sales cycle. How long's your sales cycle? Well, I, I, I sell pool and spa chemicals all throughout the country, and sometimes my sales cycle can be a phone call. It could be a, less than a week. It can be relatively quick. Well, I flew down to Southern California. I flew to John Wayne Airport on a Friday, a Friday, uh, Friday at 3. I'm going to be in and out. And I get, I, I've, I'm meeting with a very large group of, of chapter presidents for a pool service group. The pool service group has got like 2,000, 2,000 pool service companies. You know, like Nick's Pool Service, Roy's Pool Service, okay? And so I flew down. I met with these chapter presidents, and we got a deal done. And we got a deal done. And I bring, I bring this up because this deal has taken a decade, a decade. I really tried hard three, you know, you know, for the first three or four years with this group. And the timing wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. They had another chemical provider. <coughs> Excuse me. Still sick? Not really, but they had another chemical provider. They were buying through distribution. Maybe I was too new. Over the course of several years, I've sold small amounts of product to the group, uh, one one-offs here and there. But this this deal 
It took 10 years. It took a damn decade to close. And timing is everything. This chemical supplier that they all used sold out. A lot of people didn't like who they sold to. So sometimes timing is everything. But for those of you in sales, don't give up. Don't give up. Because, hey, I've got a sales cycle. I'm closing. This is a two-year deal. There's another another one that's that, that's close to closing. It's taken me two, almost three years to do. This one took 10 years. I've been in business 12. My goodness. But for those of you in sales, don't give up. Keep turning the rocks over. Keep pushing. And maybe something good will happen. So, yeah, I flew into California on a Friday. Boom. I was out on Saturday at noon. And uh, I was in and out like a ninja. Closing that deal. So, Way to go, Nick. Way to go, Nick the Communist. Oh, so, you know, how long would it take? You know, we talked about Initiative 15. I talked about, you know, being more civil. I, I, I see comments. Boy, people are so hateful to me. And how long would it take for our country to close a deal of civility? Could we close a deal of civility? Would it take longer than 10 years? I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep killing you with kindness on social media, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness, I'm not a communist. I'm an American. I'm not a traitor. People call me stupid. It's it's it's, it's so hurtful. It actually isn't. It actually isn't. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And if you're in tune to my responses, I will I will, I will never fight with you. I will never fight with you. Going back and forth on a political debate on on a, on a you know a thread is is not something I've done that I've done that it gets us nowhere. Let's be nicer to each other. You don't have to agree with Nick the American, but hey, I'm not a bad dude. I'm certainly not a communist. Okay, okay, all right. Well, I told you we started this show with immigration. And there's a bipartisan deal on the table. We'll see. You have Senate Republicans not happy right now with other Republicans going, you're seriously going to let Trump hold this shit up? Biden will close the border. We'll do what we want. we got to do what we want. And, and you're going to hold this up? And, and a whole nother year, which there's no guarantee Trump gets elected for certain, What's the deal? What's the deal? And uh, I played for you, you know, Katie Porter talking about getting in line in this country, how it needs to be a fair and, 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 and lawful process, but there has to be a line. There has to be a line. And there's a former Republican president. There's a former Republican president named Ronald Reagan who talked about the United States of America as that shining city on a hill. And I've talked about it in past where if we advertise ourselves as the greatest nation on the face of the planet, people are going to want to come here. People are going to want to come here. Okay. And people want to come through the Southern border. Okay. We've got to shut it down. We've got to get it secure. And we have to make access to legal immigration possible. Possible. It is our minor league farm system. It is how we have become so great. And so I'm going to end this show 
playing Ronald Reagan, Republican President Ronald Reagan's final speech from the White House on immigration. A.B., would you please play Ronald Reagan's speech, and I will talk to you. I'm going to be off for a little bit. A.B.'s on vacation. She's on something, I don't know, our producer. So um, we won't have a show next week, but we'll be back the following week. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Ronald Reagan, ladies and gentlemen, on immigration. Hey, have a great day. Since this is the last speech that I will give as president, I think it's fitting to leave one final thought, an observation about a country which I love. It was stated best in a letter I received not long ago. A man wrote me and said, you can go to live in France, but you cannot become a Frenchman. You can go to live in Germany or Turkey or Japan, but you cannot become a German, a Turk or Japanese. But anyone from any corner of the earth can come to live in America and become an American. Yes, the torch of Lady Liberty symbolizes our freedom and represents our heritage, the compact with our parents, our grandparents, and our ancestors. It is that lady who gives us our great and special place in the world. For it's the great life force of each generation of new Americans that guarantees that America's triumph shall continue unsurpassed into the next century and beyond. Other countries may seek to compete with us, but in one vital area, as a beacon of freedom and opportunity that draws the people of the world, no country on earth comes close. This, I believe, is one of the most important sources of America's greatness. We lead the world because, unique among nations, we draw our people, our strength, from every country and every corner of the world. And by doing so, we continuously renew and enrich our nation. While other countries cling to the stale past here in America, we breathe life into dreams, we create the future, and the world follows us into tomorrow. Thanks to each wave of new arrivals to this land of opportunity, we're a nation forever young, forever bursting with energy and new ideas, and always on the cutting edge, always leading the world to the next frontier. This quality is vital to our future as a nation. If we ever close the door to new Americans, our leadership in the world would soon be lost. A number of years ago, an American student traveling in Europe took an East German ship across the Baltic Sea. One of the ship's crew members from East Germany, a man in his 60s, struck up a conversation with the American student. After a while, the student asked the man how he had learned such good English, and the man explained that he had once lived in America. He said that for over a year he'd worked as a farmer in Oklahoma and California, that he'd planted tomatoes and picked ripe melons. It was, the man said, the happiest time of his life. Well, the student, who'd seen the awful conditions behind the Iron Curtain, blurted out the question, well, why did you ever leave? I had to, he said. The war ended. The man had been in America as a German prisoner of war. Now, I don't tell this story to make the case for former POWs. Instead, I tell this story just to remind you of the magical, intoxicating power of America. May, we may sometimes forget it, but others do not. Even a man from a country at war with the United States, while held here as a prisoner, 
could fall in love with us. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door. It is bold men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. They believe in the American dream, and over and over they make it come true for themselves, for their children, and for others. They give more than they receive, they labor and succeed, and often they are entrepreneurs. But their greatest contribution is more than economic, because they understand in a special way how glorious it is to be an American. They renew our pride and gratitude in the United States of America, the greatest, freest nation in the world, the last best hope of man on earth.